I'm going to give you just a few verses here out of Luke 24, starting in verse 1. He said, wait, preacher, it's not Easter yet. It's okay to preach about the resurrection. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. It came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. As they were afraid, bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how He spake unto you when He was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered His words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of because He lives. I told my wife, I was, uh, she says, wait a minute, I, I, was, I was humming that song this morning, Because He Lives. And she said, is that what we're doing in the choir? We have a choir special tonight. I said, no, not tonight. I said, but we, we did practice it. And I told her what I'll tell you. Uh, as I was leading the choir, we were practicing that song, Because He Lives. This message came to my mind, and so my mind was leading the choir and outlining the message at the same time. And it supplanted something else I thought I was working on uh, for now. And I just this morning want to remind us that we have a living Savior. I'm glad for that. I'm glad I have a living Savior. And uh, my wife and I were talking the other day and we were recounting things. Of course, we've had the privilege of knowing each other since we were teenagers and and, uh, all the different things and the different stages of life. And now um, I'm 59. She's going to be joining me at that age bracket in April. And uh, then we've all these years coming up on 37 years of marriage, God willing, and and uh, all the things you see during that time. And uh, I'm glad I have a living Savior. I'm glad He lives. I'm glad He walks with us. I'm glad He knows us. I'm glad He teaches us. I'm glad I don't have a dead orthodoxy. I meet people who have no use for what they call Christianity. And sometimes the situation is that they all they've ever known is dead orthodoxy. You say, what's dead orthodoxy? What is that? Well, that means they, they could tell you the doctrines. They could tell you what is right to believe. But there's no life in it. It doesn't mean anything to them. It's just something they do. It's something they go to. Maybe their family had been in the habit of being in some sort of church or worship service and, and that's why they did it, just because they do it. God's got something so much better for His people. And uh, it's knowing a living Savior. God likes living things. He really does. He doesn't like lukewarmness in the church. Um, some of you think that we've achieved that because a few of you always think it's too hot and a few of you always think it's too cold. So uh, we, um, but he doesn't like the lukewarm church. He doesn't like one that just gets by and just, uh, okay, us four, no more. In this case, us, however many are here this morning and no more. But is trying to live and love and grow in the Lord with that. And I thought about this thing of because he lives. First of all, let me say to you, because he lives, my values are brought into proper perspective. Um, I, I, I look at things and I look at where people place their values at times and 
And I wonder at some of them. Um, I'm grateful that God's Word and the Lord Himself brings our values into proper perspective. You say, what do I mean by that? You give the right value to the right thing. You know, most of the life that God leads us to, to uh, conduct is not an all or nothing proposition. There are those, but that's not most of living. And two things do not have to be of equal value for both to be valuable. I value certain material things I have. I value them. They're useful to me or they're enjoyable to me. Or maybe there's an attachment of memory to them about some things. But I never want that value to be on par with the value of relationships with people that I love and people that I care for. And I don't want that value, which is a very high value, I don't want that ever to supersede my value to God. Um, you say, how could you do that? Well, a person can do that in a lot of different ways. They can, uh, they can, they can so value a spouse that they allow the spouse to take them away from the things of the Word of God. They can so value a child that the child actually becomes an idol to them. All that matters is that, uh, that child. And, and we have to be careful of such things because when our values are in the right perspective, then we are more valuable in every right situation. I will be a better husband. I'll be a better dad, a better grandfather. I'll be a better brother. I'll be a better pastor. I'll be a better uh, businessman within our town and dealing with people as I do. I will be a better everything that I do if my value perspective is right because of the Word of God. Because He lives. It tells me what's really important. I look at things and I know we built our house about 24 years ago. And we came into the midlife crisis of the house where you replace every single major component in the house. The HVAC system, uh, you had to replace the roof. You start going in the guttering, all these things. Why? Because they were all brand new a quarter of a century ago. They're not anymore. And I've got sense enough to know if I don't take care of that house, it will fall into shambles. It doesn't just stay nice all the time. If I don't keep up with maintenance of my vehicle, if I don't take care of it, if I don't attend to things when they start going wrong, the problems will just multiply. It will become very bad. Well, that tells me that I shouldn't place a permanent value on things which have shown themselves to be very temporary. And because Christ lives, I have a right perspective. And I can have, I should say, a right perspective of my values. What's What's valuable to Christ? Because I deal with people. The soul of that person I deal with. That person he saved by his grace. I am glad. I am so glad that Bible Christianity and a Bible-based church with all its quirks, with all its oddities that every congregation has, with all of our failings and all of our strengths and all the wide things that come, I am glad that if a church is focused towards being Bible-believing, uh, they will understand that nobody is exalted way up here and, and made too much of. And nobody is so much down here and they're nothing just to be discarded, not disposable. But that we recognize the value that God put on the human soul when He came to this earth as the man Jesus Christ and gave Himself on our behalf. Because He lives, it's in perspective. Because he's li- he lives. And by the way, the thing about perspective is, uh, it, it's a point to which you return. 
It'd be nice kind of if we kept a clear vision all the time. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's <laughs> keep it right. We don't. And we'll lose, we'll lose uh, perspective. We'll lose, we'll lose the, the understanding at times. And, and when we go back to the fact that we're saved. You may remember, Brother Carpenter, you and Sister Holly were in the meeting when I was speaking at pastor school up in the side sessions. I think you came to both days of that, I, I think. I, I know you were there, I believe, one day. That's been a long time ago, hasn't it? And uh, anyway, they, they were serving elsewhere at the time, and, and they came, and we, uh, I was speaking there at, at pastor school. I think you were. You weren't here yet, were you? No, you were, you were, you were elsewhere. And uh, they, uh, uh, anyway, there was a group. Well, it was about 125. It was in a side room. A lot of preachers in there and such. And I still remember, as I had been asked to speak on a certain subject, which I hate being asked to speak on a certain subject, but I was. And so I tried to get as close to it as I could. I just don't do well with that. It's just, just turn me loose and let me go. But I tried to be obedient to the pastor. I'm like, okay, I'll try to stay on that subject. So I did mention it in my title. And I tried to stay on track. I really did. I tried to behave. But as I was going, I was looking out, and here you have men of all different ages and ladies in there, and most of the people in there were very active in their churches, or they were pastors or staff members or missionaries or whatever with that. And all of a sudden, I wasn't planning on it, and I just told them, I said, you know what? I said, uh, we, we need to not get over the fact that we're saved. Got up this morning, I'm saved by the grace of God, and thank God there's nothing can happen today to pry me away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that He is gracious and that it is His righteousness. Don't ever get over it. I just got happy. And it started shouting, started making I wasn't aiming to try to wind up the crowd, but you know what was happening in that room? A bunch of people who minister and a bunch of people who give their lives out were brought back to the point, it's all about this, because He lives. That's why. Everything's about that. Oh, we tried to be organized. We tried to do things well. I think God's work should be done in a first-class way. We do it. I'm very, I'm very particular about the certain ways we do things, certain organizational ways we do things. But let me tell you what. It all comes down to this, because He lives. If we don't have a living faith and a living Savior, then it's all for naught. You can gather together as many people as you want. You can have as fine a program as you want. But we need the living Savior. Old-time religion is more than just an orthodox position. Old-time religion is more than just having your doctrine straight. And I believe in those things. But old-time religion has the Spirit of God on it. Has the breath of God on it. Has the life of God on it. And why? Because it's a living thing. It's not a dead thing. And because He lives. Thank God I can face tomorrow. Then because He lives, there's eternal evidence of the vitality of our salvation. My salvation is a living thing. Hebrews chapter 7, because my salvation is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7. Join with me there, please. Hebrews chapter 7. Because He lives, my values are brought into proper perspective. And then because He lives, there's evidence of the vitality of our salvation. Hebrews chapter 7. And I'll not take time to lay all the structure for this. That would certainly be worth our time, but it would take us down a path which is a great road by itself. But let's look in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 7. It says, by so much, and by the way, you ought to find out that much more, so much better. These are key phrases in the book of Hebrews to understand it. Look at verse 22. For by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Are you familiar with the word surety? He stands good for it. He stands good for it. If I would go down and borrow something from a banker, and I would say, I'll stand good for that. 
according to my standing, my record, my history of dealing with them, what they can pull up as far as scores or something to, to figure out my uh, credit history and what my actions have been like, not only with them but with other institutions, they would either say, we'll accept that or we won't accept that. Um, a good name is truly better to be chosen than great riches for a lot of different reasons. But uh, the uh, person after being around and doing business in a town many years should be able just by the power of their name go in and have some, uh, some things that are considered because of that. Why? Because what you're saying is I'm going to stand good for that. Sure, they may ask for collateral. That may be the surety according to the size of what you're doing. But what they want to know is what do you like? Can we trust you? I told you about when I was trying to sell a car, being young, naive about things, didn't know this wasn't the best way to do it. I took a car I wanted to sell. I was in college, and I went into Chicago and tried to sell it to different car dealerships. Now, there was a mission that was doomed for failure. And uh, I went in, and I wanted to talk to the one manager, and they told me, wait right here. And he was in with another guy. And the manager came out. You've got to understand the time frame. You, didn't have, you couldn't pull things up. You didn't have such thing as a iPhone or even even cell phone they had a few bag phones remember those things weighed approximately what telephone booth did um they anyway they they guy comes back with this printout he had checked something and he asked this fellow who was trying to buy a car he said uh, he said what did you say to so-and-so dealership last week and what did you do when you went down there he had the record where the guy had been that was just starting to happen the guy goes oh, oh those people are all messed up those people are all messed up and he goes, he was telling all these excuses. And the guy says, you have judgments against you. You have liens against you. you have, and he starts rattling things off. And the guy, finally, the fellow who was trying to buy the car, he says, what are you trying to tell me? I'll never forget. The manager says, I'm telling you, sir, for you, I need a $1,000 down payment on a $500 car. <laughs> that guy storms out. The manager turns around with that paper in his hand and he goes, what do you want? I'm like, nothing, nothing. I want to sell you a car. No, um, not a good time. What was it? That man could not be surety. That man had destroyed his reputation. Reputation, nothing. He destroyed the fact of his existence. And he, he, had, he had no way. Oh, let me tell you something. Look at the verse. Look what it says. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. It's talking about a testament that was better than the Old Testament. Why? Because it's not, there's no part of it that says you do this and then this. He said, I do this. I take care of this. This is the fulfillment. Why? Because Jesus is the surety of my salvation. Because He lives. That's why. I make a statement to you. It's not just a play with words. I tell you, as long as He lives, I'm secure. I serve a living Savior. My priest doesn't die. It's Jesus Christ. And because he lives, I can live. Let's go on down wonderful verses with this. It says, and they, referring back to the Old Testament priests, and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, referring to Jesus, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Look at verse 25. Wherefore, because of that, he is able to save them. How far, church? To the uttermost. Ah, that's amazing. That come unto God by Him. Why? Seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. God 
actually, the Lord actually prays for us. We'll have different folks we'll pray for. Caleb, I got your name this week. I'll be praying for you this week. Um, we have people we pray for. I've got some names written down. People I've talked to and dealt with this week that I've prayed with and for about certain things. Um, this is Nicole facing surgery is a Tuesday. Praying for you. I've been praying about that coming up. Um, different folks. Praying, praying for your dad, Hunter, and recovery with that really serious injury on his leg. Thank God, but I'll forget. In fact, I had somebody this week said, we pray for me. I said, I'll remember to pray for you this week. I'm going to write it down. I promise no further than this week. So why would you do that? Because I can't promise any further than this week. You say, don't you care more than that? It's not my care I'm concerned about. It's my keeping of all the things that are happening. Listen, by the way, I had a fellow stop me. I said that in a public place to someone. I said, as often as you come to my mind this week, I'll pray for you. Another fellow that was leaving stopped and turned around and looked at me. I don't know who the guy was. He goes, that may be the first honest prayer promise I've ever heard in my life. And I said, thank you. He goes, that's pretty cool. And went on his way. But can I tell you something? Jesus ever liveth to make intercession. That's what he does. Grace, he prays for you every day. Isn't that amazing? Alyssa, he does it. Absolutely. Prays for you every single day. Faith, Jesus Christ actually prays for you. Why? Because you're precious to him. And he does that. He ever lives. What is it? Because he lives. I have the evidence of the vitality of my salvation. And I love it. I, I, I can't leave without reading the rest of that because it describes Christ. Let's look at it, if you will. And of course, that right there would have taught us a lot. But, but look in verse 26. Look at the one who's interceding for us. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And made higher than the heavens. Separate from sinners doesn't mean he doesn't care about you. It means he's not like us. He's, he's not of that type. He, he's beyond us with that. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did, how many times, church? Once. Once. When he offered up himself. We sing a great song from our hymn book, Once for All. And I'm telling you, a doctrinally solid and powerful song with that. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. So the earthly priest, they have weaknesses, they have failures. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. It's all done. Because He lives, uh, my values are brought into proper perspective. Because He lives, there's eternal evidence of the vitality of our salvation. Then let me say to you, because He lives, we have verification of His victory. It was in our text. If you look there in Luke 24, I love it. We have verification of his victory. Did he win? Did he win? You know, <laughs> I still don't know who won the Super Bowl. Who won the Super Bowl? Pardon? Chiefs did? All right, there we go. I'm glad I got that off my mind. Uh, it occurred to me the other day. I was reading something about 1980. I said, wife, you want to see why our generation ended up so whacked out? It was top 10 things, 10 movies, 10 songs, and all that in 1980. And, and, but wait, wait just a second. When, when I looked at that, I, I said, my goodness. And you said, why were you looking at 1980? That's when I got saved. And I thought, what was that world like back then? And I read the titles of the songs. I won't bring any of them up to you. I read the titles of the movies. 
I said, no wonder we ended up in such a good moral place in our country. Wow, with that. And then it had the who won the Super Bowl and who won, who won, the, who won the championship and all that. Well, I, I, I don't know, but look, look what it says here uh, in Luke 22. There's a question. There's something important with it. It says, uh, when it comes, or excuse me, uh, Luke 24. That's why I'm confused. Luke 24, verse 5, when they, the angel appears to the those who have come to the grave, and it says, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. What's that? That's a verification of his victory. Did you win? Did they win? Maybe you're wanting to catch a certain game. Did they win? Maybe you're trying to find out what happened. Did they win? You're trying to get the verification of victory. Can I tell you something? The verification for victory and a living Savior is an empty tomb. And this question which is asked echoes down through the corridors of centuries. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Isn't that the error that's made by the lost and by the saved? Looking for life among that which is dead. Looking for life from that which is dead. Looking for freedom from that which brings bondage. Someone says, I drink and forget my sorrows. No, you drink and multiply them. Well, I just, whatever escape thing they'll do. I'm not talking about what God has graciously given us in recreation, recreation, that we can unharness and unhitch for a little bit and get ourselves refreshed to whatever it is we're doing. But escapism... No, God doesn't want to do that. God wants to give you comfort in the midst of the things that you're dealing with. He wants to strengthen you for what you're doing. And by the way, when you're overwhelmed, when you've never been in a certain place before, it's a time to get new strength. It's a time to learn a different thing about following the Lord. It's kind of a funny thing if you've been ministering a long time. Every now and then, a man who's new into the pastor, he'll be overwhelmed with something. And it's very real to him. And not saying it's not serious, but the men who for many years have dealt with things will look at it and say, oh, okay. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. It's just something that happens by going forward. And you, God wants to strengthen you. The verification for His victory is an empty tomb. Christ is not there. They came looking for His body. Look at me now. Jesus bodily rose from the grave. It wasn't just the Spirit coming up. He rose. He rose. It didn't matter that he was in a borrowed tomb. He wasn't staying very long. He came about that grave. Later on, he told them, he said, handle me. He said, for a spirit. They thought they were just seeing a spirit. They said, ah, this is a spirit. Yeah. They, he said, a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Why? Because he rose. Just like one day, thank God, we shall arise. And then because he lives, our voyage is purposeful. Not one of aimless wandering. Look in Hebrews chapter 11. Because He lives, my values are brought into perspective. Because He lives, there's eternal evidence of the vitality of our salvation. Because He lives, we have verification of His victory. And then because He lives, our voyage is purposeful and not one of aimless wandering. Hebrews chapter 11 The word wander means to walk without fixed intent or purpose. I think of Psalm 119. It says, Oh, let me not 
wander from thy commandments. Not everybody who gets away from life of following God gets there because they decided they didn't like God. They decided they were just going to turn their back. Walking without fixed direction and, and purpose is a, uh, is a sure way to end up going where you don't mean to go. Many years ago, Brother Darren was still at Bible College and was finishing. I was working over at Liberty Baptist as assistant pastor. And uh, he came down and visited, brought with him Chris Kennedy, whom we called man-child. Man referring to his size, child referring to the particular maturity level. Um, and they wanted to go hiking. We decided to do a night hike. Chris had grown up in Hammond, Indiana, which just is nothing but city from there into Chicago proper. Literally, when I got out of the car, he stopped and was standing there looking up. He had, he had literally... Never seen the stars out like that. They didn't travel. Their family didn't and such. And all he had been in was where there was so much light pollution you can't see. You're, you're at nighttime, you're in Hammond or one of those areas, you can't see the stars. And he just, just floored him. He goes, whoa, what are all those? Stars. <laughs> um, we took off hiking, and we had a lot of fun. I was taking him in a place where it would be interesting, challenging time. But we decided to cut across a long place called Twin Creek. It's a... Uh, Runs, runs over there where I grew up. And, and we were cutting across a large field. But the time of year, the corn was at full height. I told him, I said, we can get over to that next ridge, but this is likely to be messy going through. You, how many of you ever walked through high cornfields? They'll cut you, you get wet and everything. And they're like, ah, well, that's good. I said, also, it could be a little confusing. They said, what do you mean? I said, we'll find out. Now, obviously, if we had been going where the rows had run, the direction towards the hill we were going, that's easy. Mm, they were going the other way. And so we're going through the corn, and I told Chris, I said, try not to break, don't break it as you go, this is people's corn. And so we're going through, we actually got lost in this large cornfield. Now, not permanently lost, but uh, uh, annoyingly lost. We kept tracking, and we were going. You said, why didn't you just go straight? We thought we were. And we finally devised a system whereby we'd get out of the cornfield. Now, we could have went all the way around. And by the way, in retrospect, it would have been about half the time. <laughs> we thought we were saving time, and it was a great adventure. Um, and so we were there, and finally, I said, Chris, and he said, what? I said, grab Brother Dare. And he said, okay. And he and I each grabbed a foot, and we would hoist him up. You said, why Brother Dare? Do you know Brother Dare? Have you, do you realize how much he weighed or didn't weigh in college? And uh, Chris was an out of the question, and, uh, and I was next one out of the question. And so we'd lift him up, and he'd go up above the corn, very tall corn, and he'd go, it's that way. And we'd put him down, and we'd go a little while, pick him up, it's that way. <laughs> and we went through. And that's something I think Lewis and Clark would have been envious of our, our, our skills for navigating and going somewhere. So anyway, three guys out, just having fun. No telling what you get into. But here's the point of it. There was no fixed point when we were down in the midst of all the, all the, the corn and all that. It's very easy to get disoriented if you don't have a fixed purpose. And the, because Christ lives, the voyage of my life is not one of aimless wandering. Just here and there and I'll try this and I'll try that. and go. No, there's a fixed purpose with it. Hebrews chapter 11 is where I told you to meet me. Hebrews 11, look in verse 13 giving reference to people that are named in the early parts of this chapter, some that we know so well from the Bible. 
It says of them, the summary of it in verse 13, these all died in faith. They all died in a firm and strong belief in the living God. Not having received the promises, they weren't fulfilled all in their time. But having seen them afar off, and let me say something to you categorically. As a believer, there are some things we see afar off because we see it through the lens of Scripture. I've never seen the person of Jesus Christ. I met a fellow in town about five, six weeks ago told me he'd seen an outline of the image of God. Okay, good enough on that. Um, But we've never seen God. We've never seen the person of Jesus Christ. We've never seen a place called heaven. We've never seen what that glory world looks like. And let me say to you, these all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. What they saw through faith persuaded them of something and embraced them. They took them as their own. I have a longing in my heart for you as as your pastor. For you adults, you young people, we sing the songs of God. The Word of God's preached. We open the Bible. We read passages. I have, I have a heart, a passion for that to become something you want. Not just something you're okay with. Something you actually want. For you to embrace. Pull it up tight. Say, you're mine. Pull it up tight and say, you're mine. My crazy Bernice Mountain Dog, I reached over the pit in this little area where they stay in the corner of our garage and stay there at night. And it's a little fenced off area. And in the morning, sometimes I go in with them and get them all fluffed up for the morning and get them going. Sometimes I'll reach over this little fence, you know. And when I do, when I start petting this dog, he hugs me. Anybody got a dog like that? I know some people, their dogs actually grab him with the paws and stuff. But he does, he's got a big old strong neck and he reaches around and catches me with his head. Pulls me in as tight as he can. He has a way he hooks me and he pulls and he starts making this noise. And he does that. And he acts like he hasn't seen me in like 15 years, you know. He's just like that. And uh, you know what he's doing? He's saying, stay here with me. So I'm not a dog. No, might be able to learn something from some of them, but <laughs> might even help some people's hygiene. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> being that as it may, isn't our master worthy of our love? Our Savior embraced. Let's keep you on the right track. I promise you, it will. Verse 13 again, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed, they were willing to admit something, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We sing the song, This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. What's that talking about? Thank God for it. God made a beautiful place. We've messed it up. He's going to make a new one that won't be messed up. It's going to be awesome. There's a lot of neat things even here on this one. Think how, think how many wonderful things there are, even in a broken condition that our world has. 
But it's not my final home. It's not my final destination. I'm not made just to be born, to live, to get up and go to work and eat a couple meals and then die. I have a living Savior and because He lives, my life is not one of aimless wandering. I don't know every detail of things. I don't know everything that's going to happen. But there's a direction that is dictated by the Word of God. And He lives. I got up this morning and had a living Savior. Some mornings I get up... And feel uh, very enthused about things. Some mornings wake up and your heart's heavy about things. But whatever it may be, Christ lives. Christ lives. And thank God for it. Let's finish that out then. Verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. My values are brought in perspective. Why? Because He lives. There's eternal evidence, eternal evidence of His victory. Why? Because He lives. There's vitality because He lives. And let me tell you, our voyage is one that's purposeful, not aimless. What are you purposing to do in your life? I haven't got any big plan. Eh, it doesn't have to be that. It's too complicated for a lot of way of thinking. Wouldn't it be just a good... Did Daniel know what he was going to face in that captivity with the, with the Chaldeans when he was taken to Babylon? No, he didn't know all the details. When he was being dragged off to be a slave in this other land, he had no idea what all he was going to face. So well, then, how did he stand all those tests that came? Because one simple thing. Early on, he purposed in his heart. But he wouldn't defile himself. He said, God, he, he, he was a teenage boy. He said, God, I don't know what all is going to come. But here's the purpose I have, God. I'm going to follow what I know to be right. From your word, he had the Old Testament. He'd been taught in it. He said, I will follow what is right according to your word, regardless of what circumstances come towards me. Amen. Going up on our sign tomorrow morning, it changes out every Monday. On one sign, it's, on one side of the sign, it will say, "When you cannot control your circumstances, control your attitude." Why? Because we're going to decide. I love what the kids say. I I'd heard them practice, but it was not actively in my mind what they were saying. And I have decided to follow Jesus. One of my first and favorite early songs in my Christian walk. It's one of the early ones I learned. Um, take time to be holy was one. Um, then uh, yield not to temptation. And I have decided to follow Jesus. Probably the first three. And I have decided to follow Jesus. As a teenager, there were times I have decided to follow Jesus. There, were teen, there was an older teen when some who I started following with decided to go off this way or that. I have decided to follow Jesus. The day when I called and my pastor who led me to Christ under whose ministry I was called to preach said, I'm no longer pastoring. I've stepped down from the pastor. I have decided to follow Jesus. When some loved ones and people who I've loved who were before me in the Lord went on to home to be with the Lord and they weren't there to get a hold of or call anymore, I have decided to follow Jesus. Now when I'm no longer the young fellow coming in to preach and when I'm no longer the least experienced fellow coming in to preach and when some have turned aside and entire institutions have gone off, I have decided to follow Jesus. Why? Because He lives. It's Christ. 
dead, dry religion won't do. You can have all that you want. I want a living Savior. I want to tell some people about a living Savior. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your people. Thank You for the victory of Your Word. Thank You for Your, your power and Your strength You give us. And Lord, help us to be a people intent and intense in following You, please. Amen. I ask you a question. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus Christ your Savior? If you're not ashamed of that, would you indicate He is by raising your hand? I know He's my Savior. You put your hands down. I look about and I see hands all over the auditorium. Well, let me ask you this. Have you considered what it means that He lives. He lives. He, he, he prays for you. He intercedes. Intercession is more than just mere prayer. It's going between in your time of need. Take just a moment to thank Him for who He is. Take just a moment to thank Him for all He's done in your life. Let Him work in your heart. Let Him develop in you a love relationship. Or ask us to stand. Piano will begin to play. There's something you want to bring before the Lord. Why don't you come this morning? Let's stand together, please.